With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to NJSBA's podcast program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, uh, a program dedicated to creating conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues today, a conversation that brings state leaders to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join us in this conversation today. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host this morning. Uh, Today, as usual, we will not only be taking your calls if you want to call, but we also have our chat room open, so you have two vehicles in which to participate and ask questions. Uh, Here to explain that is Jen. Uh, Hold on. Hello. Okay. Hi, everybody. To call in, dial 1-347-989-8904. When you're ready to make a comment or ask a question, Press 1, and that will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. I'll get your name and your question or topic and pass it on to Ray. Also, if you are on the phone line, I will ask you to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen to the phone since there will be a delay and it can be confusing. If you are just listening on your computer, we do have a chat room feature that you can log on to. We will be monitoring the chat room and we'll pass on some of the comments or questions to Ray. To log into the chat room, you will need to register with Blog Talk Radio, but it's very easy. You just need to provide a username and password. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jen. Um, All education issues, primarily that uh, school districts have to deal with, go through the legislative process for the most part. And when they do that, they usually pass through... uh, the, the Assembly Education Committee. Uh, today, we have with us, I'm pleased, uh, Assemblywoman Myla J.C. from the 27th District, who is also uh, Vice Chair for the, the Assembly Education Committee. Uh, welcome, Assemblywoman. Thank you for having me, Ray. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Um, first of all, uh, for our voters, uh, for our voters, I guess you're looking for voters now because you're running for re-election, <laughs> but for... But for our our listeners and members, uh, the 27th District, could you describe where it is? Yes, the the 27th District has changed pretty significantly after redistricting two years ago. Uh, So now the 27th District includes South Orange, Maplewood, uh, West Orange, Livingston, Milburn, Madison, Chatham, Florham Park, Hanover, East Hanover, Harding, Roseland, Essex Fells, and Caldwell, as well as five universities. Okay, and uh, and just for our listeners, uh, before that, uh, you also, uh, it was primarily, I think it was all Essex County, including some urban areas, so you have experience being a representative for both uh, suburban and uh, urban areas. Yes, uh, the the old 27th district, I like to describe it as a microcosm of New Jersey because we stretched from the west ward of Newark 
through Orange, and then all the way out to Essex, Fells, and Roseland as well. So you've represented both INJ districts as well as Abbott districts? Yes, yes. And uh, prior to joining the legislature, I served for three terms on the South Orange Maplewood uh, Board of Education. Okay. Um, well, let's get into some of the issues. Uh, I know uh, the committee chair, uh, Patrick Guyton, introduced a bill, and you're a sponsor uh, on relooking at the A4177, and that's to relook at our charter school law. Uh, what's the idea behind that? Well, it's been 18 years since the original legislation was uh, was approved, written and approved, and many of us believe that it's time to take a look at how we're doing and to rewrite the legislation to reflect all the different stakeholders, as well as changes in education um, that have occurred in the last 18 years here in New Jersey and across the country. Uh, well, what do you, and for our listeners, later on we're going to be, shortly we'll be talking about teacher evaluations and, and a lot of that, but we'll start with the charter schools for a short time. Uh, where do you see the place of charter schools in education? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think charter schools are here to stay. They're going to be a part of our landscape, and I think we need to find a way for charter schools, which are public schools, and regular public schools to coexist without one hurting the other, if you will. Um, if you read the original legislation, um, the intent was to create uh, public schools that are held accountable, but that because they're smaller, they're a little more, I like to call them more nimble, and able to address um, problems uh, that we might be experiencing in the public, in the regular public schools. What I mean by that is they were intended to be lab schools or schools of innovation, and the idea was that strategies and approaches um, that were found to be effective in the charter schools would then be shared with the regular public schools. Unfortunately, the original legislation failed to um, describe a process for how that would happen. And so what has happened uh, in the last 18 years is we've had um, a parallel development of uh, public charter schools and regular public schools and very little communication or sharing between them except in um, individual instances. And, and now, at a time when resources are tremendously stressed and scarce, um, every time a charter school opens or is proposed, um, the, you know, the community uh, reacts because it's seen as a drain on the regular public school resources. So there's there's quite a lot of uh, animosity and distrust that has developed between uh, regular public schools and the charter schools. Um, there's two parts to my question. I guess the first part then, uh, before I get on, because you triggered another thought in my head, uh, the monitoring of charter schools, and is that part of what uh, you and Assemblyman Eigen are looking at, is how we monitor so that if we start a charter school, it's successful. Yes, um, yes, absolutely, because um, I always go back to the fact that we're talking about public money and mm -hmm. public trust. And 
the education of public school children. And therefore, we have a responsibility to make sure that money is well spent. So um, if a charter school opens, first of all, there should be a clear reason for why the charter is opening, what issue are they going to address, or what approach are they going to take that we're going to be looking at. And um, there are goals set in the charter that the school has with the Department of Education. If those goals are not met, then um, the charter school needs to be uh, either on a corrective action plan or they need to be closed. If they need to be closed because they're failing to meet the goals of the charter, then there has to be a smooth transition uh, for those students to go back to the regular public schools. And that's that's a sore point with mm-hmm. regular public schools, and I understand it, in that um, if children are pulled out of the regular public school population and they go to a charter school, that 90% of the funding for their education goes with them. If they then come back to the regular public schools, in some instances it's been disruptive because the regular publics have to take them back, um, but the money doesn't always follow them back, at least not immediately. Right. And I guess if you look I guess it's a little touchy subject is the 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 financing of charter schools, where it goes through the public school. Is that something that you were looking at in this legislation, or is that something that would be a separate issue that needs to be dealt with? We're not actually. That's a really tough issue, and we're not dealing with it at this time in this legislation. But it's something that does need to be addressed, and uh, I would be lying if I said I have the answer to that question. That's a tough one, and um, it's one that that we really need to figure out. All right, uh, one more question on on the charter school, Um, and this has become in recent years, and I know this was not thought of 18 years ago, and that's virtual charter schools. I know Mm -hmm. the commissioner has uh, put a moratorium in uh, under two recent proposals, um, is that part of this law, or is that something that is going to have to be studied in, on it in and of itself? I think the whole issue of uh, the virtual or online charter school um, idea is one that we we need to look at very carefully. I don't think we have enough information on it, and certainly it was not something that was even conceived of 18 years ago. Um, I I happen to think that there is a role for a hybrid uh, form of online education to um, supplement uh, what we have. I think that we have some examples of how it can work and how it can benefit students um, in particular situations. However, the idea of uh, K through 12 completely online virtual uh, education is one that um, I think a lot of us would have difficulty embracing um, without a lot more information. Which do you think it would be something that maybe uh, we need to have a task force or a legislative body or committee really take a study of where we're going to go with online virtual education, even in the hybrid form? Yeah, I do. I, I think we need to look at what's going on nationally. Uh, look at you know what's already happening does that ser- would that um would those models serve New Jersey 
um, communities and, and students? And if so, how would we finance them? Um, how would we hold them accountable? How would we monitor them? Um, that's As I said, I think that's a whole other area that needs to be looked at. But I think it's one that we have to look at because it's happening. And, it, and uh, you know, that's the way of education. Uh, certainly at the collegiate level, we're seeing a lot more um, online or virtual classrooms. All right, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, you were one of the sponsors of the Tenure Reform Act. Yes. Uh, but recently you've had some – you have some concerns, uh, and – and I'm, I'm not going to get to the, the concept of tenure reform. We will get to that in a minute. But what is your major concern uh, with something that you support uh, in terms of the tenure reform and the teacher evaluation models? Well, I did. I, I, I am a prime sponsor of Teach New Jersey, and um, I'm a strong believer that uh, in order to implement what is really a sea change in how we evaluate um, teachers and how tenure is granted and retained. Um, Teacher evaluations is a big, huge part of that. However, I'm very concerned about the timeline uh, for implementation of this. We are currently still piloting uh, teacher evaluation uh, systems, and we don't yet have the data from those pilots. Now, Um, a phrase that we hear all the time in education now is data-driven instruction. And I believe in that. I think that data is important. Um, So in this case, I think we need to have the data from the pilot districts to inform implementation in all the rest of the districts. And right now the timeline is demanding that uh, all districts uh, implement teacher evaluation systems uh, in September, and these evaluations are tied to, will be tied to uh, tenure and the retention of tenure for teachers. And I don't think we're quite ready to do that. And the reason I think that the timeline needs to be um, extended is so that when um, when, uh, the evaluations count, if you will, uh, that we have done enough in terms of staff development and we've provided enough resources to make sure that they're implemented in an effective and fair way. Uh, so, go ahead. Oh, um, I thought you were pausing. I'm sorry. Uh, we're, <laughs> speaking with, <laughs> we're speaking with Assemblywoman Myla Jacy from the 27th District and a member of the Assembly Education Committee. Uh, if you want to ask her a question, dial one three four seven. Nine eight nine eight nine zero four and press one and we will uh, get your question to to her. Um, have you been in contact with uh, at least uh, school districts within your legislative district? Uh, and is this something that you have heard is a concern that's been brought up to you, or is this something that uh, you've just uh, here in the in the halls of uh, the legislature? Well, um, I stay I stay in contact with. Um, school board members throughout my district and actually throughout the state. And I talk to teachers. I have my sister is a teacher, my daughter is a teacher, my chief of staff's daughter is a teacher. So we talk about what's going on um, in education circles on an almost daily basis. And 
I think the positive is that I have not heard from any administrators or teachers that they don't think evaluations are necessary or that changes are not necessary. Um, Generally speaking, people are embracing the concept. Where I hear um, the concern, and and I think it's a very legitimate concern, is um, in not having the resources to provide or the time to provide the staff development that's necessary to train administrators in uh, how to conduct these evaluations. Because these, these evaluations are very detailed and they're very different from what administrators have done in the past. And I recall from my days on the school board, um, you know, every spring you're reading evaluations and recommendations for tenure uh, to vote on. And I remember feeling very frustrated that the evaluations didn't seem to tell me very much. Um, and they didn't really capture what we needed to know to support or not support the superintendent's recommendations. The evaluation systems that are out there now, and there are several, and districts get to choose what which one they want to use, um, they're very detailed. They take time to conduct Um, The legislation requires um, many more uh, evaluations, even of tenured staff, in order to maintain their tenure than in the past. And all of this takes time. And I think the frustration I hear and that I share is that education reform um, takes time to implement, and then we need time to evaluate whether or not the changes are working before we move to the next step. It's not an overnight kind of thing. You don't just make the change and expect to see results. And because I was a because I am a prime sponsor of the Teach New Jersey legislation, I want it to work. I don't want it to fail. And I'm concerned that if we force the changes faster than we can um accommodate or implement them. Uh, that we will fail, and then it'll be pointed to as yet another education reform attempt that failed. So in the interest of of our public schools and in particular of our children, I think we need to move slowly and deliberately. Um, I think that, that all of the districts can still be required to begin implementing um, and using the evaluation systems that they've adopted. However, I don't think that this coming year should be tied to high-stakes um, consequences. Uh, a couple points. Uh, one, uh, are you also concerned uh, with the capacity? Uh, I know you said they're more detailed, but there's actually uh, also more evaluations because now you'll be doing three a minimum of three on your tenured staff which in a lot Correct. of districts That's it was only three one three times as many right so are you concerned that the districts may not have the capacity to even or they have to learn that capacity over the course of the year well i think i think uh yes capacity is a huge issue um because over the past several years given the 2% cap Given um, uh, the stresses on budgets, uh, many districts have reduced the number of administrators uh, in their in their school districts. Who you know who are the people that would be doing these evaluations? Um, there are districts where, in the elementary schools, 
you may have an elementary school of 400 or more children with just a principal. Now those districts need to put in place a uh, an assistant principal or a supervisor who can then conduct um, the evaluations because evaluations have to be done by a certificated supervisor level person, not by it's not done by other teachers, for example. So mm-hmm. yeah, capacity is a very big issue, and um, and it's one that the state has failed to. Um, help resource. All right. There's two points uh, for for people who want to go full speed ahead. Um, they uh, will point out that uh, if we just delay it a year, that people will then wait to the last minute and do it the following year. How would you answer that response? I think that's a cynical response um, because, again, as I as I mentioned earlier. As as I talk to superintendents, which I do, and principals, supervisors, and teachers, I have not had anyone say to me, we're not going to do this or we don't want to do this. Rather, what they've said to me is, um, we, need, we need help in doing this. We need resources to do this. Uh, we need to build capacity to do this and to do it well. Uh, teachers um, like it when they have the opportunity to to be evaluated in a way that supports what they're doing and that helps them improve practice. Um and what I said was I don't I'm not saying that school districts should not be required to begin um implementing the teacher evaluation systems that they have adopted, but rather that in the coming school year, those evaluations should not be tied to high-stakes outcomes because we don't know what's working and what's not working. We don't know how valid um, uh, some of those evaluations are, and we haven't resolved the issue of uh, the tested versus non-tested subjects. So I, I think giving districts another year or giving districts a year to you know try them out and see what what the problem areas are is simply makes good sense common sense okay i have a follow up i see the i have a question from a caller uh i think it's a board member from uh morris county uh, okay do you have a question yes i do um I'd like to thank Assemblywoman J.C. for um, her wise words. I think slowing down and doing it right is a great idea. I have a concern about administrative costs. As you know, we have a cap in our budget on the percentage that may be allotted to administrative costs, and yet we ask our administrators to do more and more and more all the time, state-mandated. We will not be able to hire someone in our district to, to help with this. We're going to end up paying consultants a lot of money. Um, is there any contemplation in the legislature about adjusting the administrative cap to allow these mandates to be carried out? There's no discussion about it, but I think that uh, I think that's a good idea. I think that that might be one of the recommendations that comes out of the pilot districts. And as I, I said earlier at the beginning of the program, the pilot districts. The data from the pilot districts implementing these evaluation systems is not yet available. So 
how do we, you know, my question is how do we move forward, uh, you know, full scale, full bore, um, without knowing the pitfalls of of those evaluation systems? I think if we had that information, then that information would probably provide recommendations for how we move forward. And one of those recommendations might well be that there needs to be an exception uh, in administrative cost caps. You know, I know I, I I'm not going to say who you are, but I recognize the voice for this board member. I and I will <laughs> let you know that I'm going to be asking a question about superintendent salary caps at the end too. Uh-huh. So you might thank wanna... you. That was my follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm uh, making I'm making note of the fact that we need to introduce something that addresses this issue. But again, I hate to introduce legislation that isn't based on the data. I'd like to see the data from the pilots, from the 30-plus districts that have been doing this now for a year or more. And, you know, what what do they recommend? And I I would be surprised if they didn't recommend uh, an adjustment in administrative costs. Okay, we'll hope I think so. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you for I'll the question. You, uh, I'll put you on hold, and if you want to ask a question when I ask about superintendent salary caps, uh, just press your one button again, okay? Got it. Okay. Um, so, uh, Assemblywoman, um, so your concern, if, if it was implemented under your resolution, uh, we still go almost full speed ahead, but we kind of don't use the data as – or. Uh, uh, the evaluations uh, this year with any consequences to the staff. It's just right. more of an additional learning experience so that we might get to what that last caller just said is, you know, we have some capacity issues with administrators. We may have to look at that again. Right, right. I'm not saying that we're moving away from from evaluations because I, I think that they're critical to um, – moving forward and a critical piece of reform. However, I'm saying we need to get it right. And I think there are so many things going on at the same time that, um, you know, you can't catch your breath. We've got the Common Core coming. We've got PARC coming. We've got, you know, measurement of student growth. Uh, There are just so many things going on, and there are only so many hours in the day. Um. Two questions on this, though. Uh, the reason for the timetable that we have now, and it was actually pushed back uh, at one point, because originally the pilots were only going to be for a year, and then we did them for two years. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of information coming out from the pilot districts. Uh, but we have a waiver with the federal government for NCLB, which kind of ties the department's hands, and we have PARC, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, coming down. So part of the reason for the timetable now is that is there do you feel that the state would have to negotiate them with the these other entities like the federal government well my information is that we could make the case that the state is making um uh, what's the word uh you know that the state is making uh, a true effort to implement effort, a good faith effort, right, to implement these changes, but that there are realities. You know, we face we face resource issues. We therefore we face these capacity issues, and um, it's complicated. So I think we can make the argument that we've been acting in good faith, and that it's not that we're not going to be implementing um, 
you know, the the evaluations we are. I think we should go forward with them. But again, I think we need to go forward intelligently using the data from the pilots, which isn't isn't really available yet, to inform how we do it. And and we haven't even talked about uh, the administrative evaluations that are also being required for principals. Yes. Um I just so you know, NJSB has uh, hosted a few programs on uh, Achieve, and uh, we've had members of the uh, pilot districts come speak, as along with members of the Department of Ed. And there seems to be a consensus that most of the, at least the districts that have done it, there's been a, a good conversation among the administrators and uh, the teachers that the new evaluation model, if done correctly, creates a good conversation about what makes good teaching. So, mm-hmm. and I'm, I guess I'm going to let you reiterate your point that I think you made it in the beginning is that you really still want to keep all the basic concepts uh, that have that came in Teach NJ. It's just that you're concerned about the timeline. Yes, and and again, as I said earlier, um, I'm really uh, encouraged by the enthusiasm of the teachers and the administrators and superintendents that I've talked to about the whole concept of a real um, evaluation process that supports and coaches teachers to become more effective. Uh, I I really haven't met teachers who don't want to do their jobs better, but oftentimes, and especially um, newer teachers feel that they're just not supported very well, and it's it's very very difficult to um, to become a great teacher on your own. So, and I think these evaluations will really help us create um, help us support more effective teachers in the classroom, which is what this is all about. Because a better you know better schools, better outcomes start in the classroom. And they start with our teachers, and uh, and I think that's an area that we have not done a great job on in terms of how we uh, recruit, train, retain, and support teachers. Uh, one of the other things that's tied to this is uh, Park, uh, and there is some concern. What are the concerns? I think some of the concerns that I have heard are more: um, Do we have the technology in all our school districts? to meet the park requirements. Is that a concern that you've been hearing too? Oh, yeah. That's that's another huge concern. Um, I believe the Joint Committee on the Public Schools is going to be taking up this issue, and are, they're cu- currently doing some surveying of districts to find out if districts, one, have the uh, technology to support mm-hmm. park, and two, if they even have the bandwidth. I was in, let me think, I was in a an elementary school in Milburn recently, which is part of my district. Milburn is a high-achieving, uh, well-resourced uh, school district. And yet the principal of that elementary school said to me, um, we've been doing some, you know, trial runs, and he said, mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't run everything at the same time. We're not sure how we're going to be able to to do the testing, the online testing that's coming down the pike. Now, that's Milburn. So it tells me that if they're having trouble, I know many other districts are having trouble. I know that the, the superintendent in Madison has spoken out about this issue. And, again, it's not that people are 
uh, unwilling to do the work, uh, mm-hmm. but rather are saying, hey, uh, we need we need some help here. We need some support here. Um, I want the the call the caller who had the question before about uh, uh, the administrators. I know uh, I know who she is, and one of her other concerns is the superintendent salary cap. With the implementation of a lot of new initiatives, we're losing some of our best leaders. Uh, at least that's uh, her uh, thought process. That uh, and there should be some type of waiver or uh, some adjustments to that. Uh, where's your uh, position on uh, the salary caps? Well, I don't support the sal- the superintendent ca- salary caps, and this is why. Um, this, the state, and this was prior to my being in the legislature, when I was, actually it was prior to, prior to my being on the Board of Education, um, the state did away with tenure for superintendents. And when that happened, um, uh, that was in the 90s. And when that happened, it created what I would describe as a, um, a situation where uh, superintendents became free agents. And uh, they began to move around much more because if a superintendent had a three-year contract and in some cases perhaps as long as a five-year contract, um, beyond that there was no uh, stability and no job security. And so every time they move, every time a superintendent moved, naturally he or she would be looking for a position that paid more because that's what mm-hmm. we do in our economy. And so we began to see mobility, and um, and mobility has led to a certain instability in districts, uh, and it leads to labor issues and um, confidence issues in the communities. Um, I think that the cap that's been imposed on superintendents has uh, exacerbated that situation, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe I don't know if school boards is looking at this or PSA is looking at this, but um, I am hearing that the mobility um, rates are going up. That we are losing superintendents to New York and Connecticut, um, and you know this creates a real leadership uh, issue for districts, especially at a time when we need uh, people at the helm who have background and understanding and a commitment to making these reforms that we want to see happen actually work. I'm going to hold on. We have a question from a, uh, another caller, but I'm going to follow up on that one in, in a minute. Uh, caller, you have a question. Uh, you want to go back to evaluations? Yes, for a minute. But first, I'm a 35-year educator in the state of New Jersey, and I want to tell her I do agree about the superintendents. We lost a, vi- a vision of a district with the, taking away the tenure. But going back to evaluation, mm-hmm. I agree with the assemblywoman that the professional conversa- conversation that happens between a teacher and an administrator can provide real growth in the instructional practice in the classroom. But also in this evaluation, there are the 20-minute, we I call them the drive-bys, mm-hmm. where people can come in and out of the room. And I just happened to I help in some of the urban schools and have been on those 20-minute walkthroughs where many of us are seeing teachers instruct at different times during the instructional session, and then everybody walks away with a different perception. 
What does she think about those um, short 20-minute drive-bys? Well, in all honesty, I'm not an educator, uh, so and I haven't seen any data or any write-ups of these, so anything that I would say to you would be uninformed. Uh, I can tell you um, in talking to my sister and my daughter, who both teach in urban situations, uh, that they they are fine with the walkthroughs as long as the feedback is helpful, um, and that and as long as they have the opportunity to talk about what the observers saw or thought he or she saw, because you know things can change in in a moment in a classroom and things can be moving along very well and then suddenly something happens and and they're not moving along well. Um I I I'm remembering a story that my sister who teaches in Newark in a Newark high school um she was telling me that she had a lesson moving along very nicely and um one of her one of her students had put his head down and was sleeping and she had she knew that this young person had had a very rough night and had actually come to school because school was a safer and better place to be than being at home. And and she knew this, and the student had told her this. And so when he put his head down to go to sleep, she didn't have an issue with that, and she did not tell him to sit up straight and, and you know pay attention. And around that time, um, a supervisor walked through her room and saw the student sleeping and gave her this look like, you know, what's going on here, and later uh, spoke to her about it, and she said, well, let me explain what's going on, because this is a this is a kid who was up all night, there was a family violence issue uh, at home, and he's exhausted, and he came to school to have breakfast, and I told him, fine, go to sleep. And she um, may have been prepared to do some one-on-one reinforcement or catch exactly. up with him that, that may have been richer than him trying to maintain focus at that time in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. And I, okay. I thank you for your support <laughs> on slowing this down. I think it's a wonderful idea. Thank I you. will uh, uh, add some of our training programs of what the Department of Ed uh, in the pilot district said in terms of if you have two administrators observing a teacher, part of that is for the – it's actually more for the evaluators so that mm-hmm. they if they have a model that – they're consistent in their evaluations, and, and I probably guess the assemblywoman's uh, concerned about the training of the the administrators, so that if you have administrator A and B, they see this, they have very similar evaluations because they're trained the same way. And I I think that's your concern. No, for it's not my concern. Have. My my concern is I I understand that. As I said, I've been in I've taught in urban school for 29 years. I'm working in some of the major urban districts in our state mm-hmm. right now. My concern is that, for example, I was on a team last week that we divided up five classrooms. Half started at one end, half started at the other. We rotated between the five classrooms. In the engagement, in in the instructional process, there was a variety. There's guided practice, there's Mm -hmm. um, modeling, there's uh, guided practice or independent practice. And then sometimes when the individuals, some of us saw wonderful things, but in the same classroom, another person said it was terrible. Uh-huh. So that's my concern right. is not seeing a whole lesson. You don't see the buildment to engagement. Right. You don't see the buildment to the independent work. That was my concern. Right. So I yeah, want to I mean, thank I, you for your time. Yeah. 
Thank you. No, I think those are very good points. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah, the caller, uh, and I think the twenty, the short uh, evaluations is done uh, is a minimum. A, a district can have it that it, it is a full thirty or forty. Uh, I know the Department of Ed cites a study where they felt as a minimum that was sufficient. Um, I want to go back to. Um, uh, oh, there's something about and, teacher evaluations I wanted to bring up and add that nobody's really talking about. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a MET study that looks at uh, uh, teacher evaluations and teacher and ties them to teacher effectiveness. And um, one of the things I think is very interesting, and I, I'm interested in learning more about and understanding more, and that has to do with student surveys. And there seems to be a very strong correlation between student surveys and their outcomes and teacher effectiveness, which I think is very interesting. And we're not, I'm not really hearing people talk very much about that. We're hearing a lot about test scores, but not a whole lot about, um, you know, the perception of students, uh, of their teachers, and how effective their teachers are, how helpful they are, and, and how that correlates to student performance. So that, that's an area I'd, I'd love to explore some other time, perhaps, or I'd like for us to start talking about. I have not seen that present. I, I heard it in the beginning, but I have not uh, recently. I have not seen that as part of any uh, evaluation model. I, I think there was concern, probably from uh, both administrators and uh, teachers, on how to implement that, and maybe they're having a hard enough time implementing what we're implementing now that mm-hmm. add a student component to it at this time might be a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, before we had, you know, I, I brought it up very quickly and then we got a little sidetracked, but um, just one last thing on the superintendent salary caps. Uh, so do, do you feel that there's a chance, I mean, that, that was that was an administrative uh, decision by the governor. It doesn't really need any legislative action. So at this point, would it be very difficult to Get any changes on that? Well, there's there's some debate about um, whether or not where, whether or not and when um, the cap will some sunset. Some I'm hearing from some 2014. I'm hearing from some uh, people 2015. I haven't been able to get a real clear uh, uh, decision on when and if it will sunset. But I think what I've been saying to school districts is I think it's really important for boards of education and districts to um, uh, gather information and then make recommendations as a body to the legislature and to the governor on the impact uh, that the cap is having on their districts. I, again, I like I like to see information and data drive decisions. And, um, you know, the superintendent cap is a great media bite, but really it's only a very small part of an individual district's uh, budget. And I think that as long as we have uh, school boards and individual districts making decisions, I think that should be a decision uh, made by the local, you know, uh, the local boards and and their. Uh, constituents in terms of what they want to spend because the reality is uh 
you know, the money that you think you may be saving uh, by having a cap on salaries is negated when you have to every three years or sooner conduct a search, hire a search team, and go through uh, the time-consuming task of hiring a superintendent. I've done that as a board member, and it's it's the most important thing that a board does is hire the superintendent. But if you have this constant turnover, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to implement meaningful change in a district. Uh, thank you. Uh, I will let you know that uh, at our last delegate assembly, a resolution was passed and NJSBA asking NJSBA to study the impact of uh, superintendent salary caps in terms of turnover and leadership and uh, tying it to student achievement, uh, which might be a little difficult in the short run. Uh, so hopefully we will have That's that data great. for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to thank you because we're running out of time. Uh uh, for joining me. So uh, thank you, Assemblywoman. You have always been very gracious to the New Jersey School Board Association and our membership as well as the school administrators. Uh, so I'd like to thank you for joining me and thank you for your service on the in the legislature. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about these issues. Okay, and I'd like to thank the listeners for joining. Uh, that brings us to the end of this edition of uh, Conversation New Jersey Education. And I look forward, I hope, you know, the school year is closing. I hope you all have a happy summer. Thank you. Thank you. We've got a lot of work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Bye now. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.